spread The trees like torches Blazed with light The bells were ringing In the tale And then they looked up With faces G'day and welcome to Krakencast. This is the Oceanic branch of the Vassals of Kingsgrave's Game of Thrones review series. Today we'll be discussing episode 5 of season 8, entitled The Bells. My name is Duncan, or Valkyrist on the forums, and joining me today from America, we have Bing. That is your time on the forums. David. David HHH on the forums. Abby. Hi, Daisy Mormon on the forums. And our newest Kraken, Kevin. Hi, creepy Uncle Kevin on the forums. <laughs> and, we always love that. And Dana may be able to join us uh, briefly later in the show. Um, so we'll look forward to that. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, second last episode of the entire series. Exciting stuff. Uh, so weird. Has, has, everyone, <laughs> has everyone brought their marshmallows for this app? Yeah. <laughs> we brought something for this episode. Oh, Uh-oh. okay. <laughs> Well, um, let's get into it with our lemon cake ratings. Uh, Bing, would you like to go first? Yikes, me first. Uh-oh. So it's kind of hard for me to rate this episode because it's very different from episode six of last season, where it's just straight up bad writing and a lot of things just don't make sense. Um, a lot of things in this episode also doesn't make sense when you think hard about it. But the problem is there's a lot of it's the, the huge big turn in this episode is such a season or really serious defining moment that given that it doesn't really work, in my opinion, it really, really taints the thing as a whole. Hmm. I'm not giving any lemon cake ratings so far. I, I, I don't really know what's the best <laughs> one to give. Really? You're, uh, you're abstaining. <laughs> I abstained for episode six of last season as well. So, um, uh, I mean, if you really force me to give it, I'm giving it zero, but... <laughs> oh, I remember wow. episode six of last season. You gave it uh, what was that movie? The day after tomorrow. That was the rating you awarded. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got an equivalent movie for this episode? Uh, Mortal Kombat, maybe. <laughs> how, how about this? There was a TV show that was also very popular and it was somewhat of a cultural phenomenon. As this one, um, that TV show was called Lost. I Lost. gave it as the ending. Right. The ending of Lost out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a feeling you were going there. It's funny. <laughs> love it. Uh, what did you think, David? Uh, um, I, I mean, I hated it, but I loved it. <laughs> like it's, I, yeah. I, and that's why. Like, I, I uh, I'm gonna give it a four and a half because it was so powerful. I thought. I mean, I think. I mean, for one thing, I, I posted a funny thing on Facebook. I said, God, and people thought episode three was dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I thought it was really powerful storytelling, even if it wasn't like completely earned. Um, I think Game of Thrones will now go down as the show of be careful what you wish for. Because, you know, we've wanted Danny to fuck things up with Cersei, particularly for years. Right. And we've reveled in every Dracarys and fire and blood and, and just like kind of with. Theon's punishment and we wanted him to suffer mm. i think we're learning to be careful what we wished for here because it was horrible horrible and and we'll get into that in detail later i think but i thought it was powerful storytelling and 
you know, despite some flaws and some rushed and all that we'll talk about. Yeah, whatever it lacked in, like, visual darkness, it made up for an emotional darkness, I think. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but, uh, Abby, what did you think? Okay, uh, I don't know what to give this episode because I kind of found a lot of it really forgettable. Like, the whole stuff with Arya... Um, I had to rewatch the ending of the episode because I actually was like not paying attention because I was just kind of so bored with Arya. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I would give it maybe like, a, uh, I don't know, just because like, yeah, the like stuff was like the, the the dragon stuff was like pretty like epic in the like what was going on, but it was just so unearned and just uh, and like Jamie just regressed as a whole character. But the saving grace, I guess, was the Clegane Bowl. So I'll give it like a two. I, I don't. I don't want. I don't think it passes. I'm, I'm going to give it a two. <laughs> Maybe it'll change. And uh, Kevin, what was your rating? Uh, one lemon cake. Oof, I, damn. I, wow. I, I don't know. So this whole season, I, I think, sort of my refrain has been: I understand in my left brain what they're trying to do. You know, I understand the rational part of me understands, I guess, the plot point. You, you know, I'm fine with Jamie regressing. I'm fine. Like, I'm fine with the actual decisions. You know, I'm fine with Arya killing the Night King. I'm fine. You know, what? It, pick the decision. I, I can see that it's justified. But every single one just watching, I just am like, but why is that happening now? You know, it's like it's just something on an emotional level. where I'm like, they didn't do the right stuff to get me ready emotionally. Um, they didn't, um, you know, whether that's Daenerys snapping or Jamie regressing, it's just all, it just happens, you know, it doesn't feel, and, and I, and I even a lot of times I'm like, well, yeah, but they set things up this way or that way. But I'm like, but did they really like, it didn't, it didn't work in the same way it has in the past. So mm -hmm. felt, you know, not just rushed, but just that everything's just felt contrived in a way that it doesn't connect emotionally for me. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I think I'm going to be the contrarian one. I really dug a lot of this episode. Um, I think mm. as, a, as a battle episode, I thought it was much more compelling and interesting than The Long Night. It felt like I had a much firmer grasp of how events were unfolding, where characters were located and where they were going, and what they were going through psychologically. Um, it is a devastating episode, like you say, David, yeah. which, unlike <laughs> The Long Night, didn't really offer anything hopeful or triumphant. Um, yeah. Nevertheless, I thought some of the visuals were really powerful and even sort of beautiful in their in their horror. Um, right. The main problem for me is, as you guys have alluded to, while I, while I sort of like the idea of Danny's descent into madness, it didn't feel very well plotted or earned. As with previous character decisions, it just seemed to occur because the plot demanded it. Um, nevertheless, I thought it was pretty incredible television, and I'm going to give it four lemon cakes. Mm -hmm. So we're all over the board here. Yeah, all over the place, <laughs> which is good. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like it. Mm. And that upsets me so much that I'm going to burn my house down now. There you go. As you do. A very healthy uh, response, yeah. Just set fire to things. Unearned, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's our lemon cake ratings. Let's get into the episode itself. So the episode opens with uh, Tyrion knocking out Varys' attempts to seat Jon Snow on the Iron Throne. During the ensuing trial, Dis District Attorney Drogon grills the spymaster pretty badly, and he is sentenced to the dustbin. Uh, Danny is contemplating filing similar charges against the entire city of King's Landing, but Tyrion pleads with her to show them mercy. 
She tells John Starkarian that she'll drop the sentence to community service if he smooches her for a bit, but he tells her he's not really feeling this whole incest thing. Hell hath no fury like an auntie spurned. Uh, so Varys is gone. It's his curtain call. What do you guys think? Yeah. Did he get the letters out, do you think? Did he get any of them out? I don't know. Well, he and, burned, and will it matter at this point? He seemed to burn the one he was writing, but he might have sent other ones out. That may, right. be, the, that may be the point of the scene, that he was basically sending out as much of that uh, information about John's parentage as possible. Um, why, did, why did he take his rings off? I just, like, I, I noticed yeah. that, and I was just curious about that. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I didn't get that either. I guess because he sort of comes from nothing, so maybe he was kind of shedding the uh the airs of being a lord and just returning to like you know his sort of humble maybe. roots maybe mm. and and was he trying to poison danny is that what we were getting there with his little birds that now can speak oh was that what it was mm. i thought he was just kind of I keeping an eye that. on the situation like sort of monitoring well, they make a... danny's you know uh, mental state well because they did make a point of that she's not eating but that could be either could be the not eating or the yeah i thought poison. that was I thought that was more of a reference to, like, her mental state. Like, oh, she's so distraught about Nisande's, um, like, execution that she's not eating. Yeah, I think Fairy still isn't totally sure. Because even when he's about to be burned, he's kind of like, I hope I'm wrong. So I don't know if, right. he, if he would commit to assassination yet. But he, I think he was right. just monitoring how she was going. Mm-hmm. I feel like this whole, like, Varys thing, starting from, like, him taking Tyrion to see Daenerys... This whole thing just doesn't mesh with mm-hmm. somebody like him. Because he's the one who took the initiative to support Danny. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then, then all of a sudden they finally met. And all of a sudden, and it's all just like, oh, is she actually the right person for me to support? This just doesn't feel very Varys. It seems very quick. Like it's basically happened in yeah. a single episode. And, and we, are, we haven't really yeah. seen Varys for, what, a season, two seasons? He hasn't really, we haven't right, really right, got right. an insight into his his machinations. The last thing we see of him is huddled in the in the crypts of Winterfell while Danny basically takes on the army of the dead. It's a pretty like right, right. amazing sort of selfless act she's doing on behalf of the realm. And then within yeah. an episode he's plotting to dethrone her. It feels like you should have had a whole season to to see this right. transformation in his character. Yeah. Well I mean I, I think that's the problem with all the stuff in this episode in that I feel like if we'd had like two more episodes between the battle for Winterfell and now to build Danny's descent, you know, Varys changing his mind on her and all of that, it would have all felt more earned. And instead we needed to get moving into the story. Maybe even like, instead of these 80 minute episodes, if they'd done like, you know, an extra two, like 50 minute episodes, it might've felt a little more earned, but it was like, given that we're like, this all happened like two weeks ago. It's like, it just, I mean, as much as I liked a lot of it, it just it did feel rushed and it didn't feel earned. And with a little more time, they could have made it made it all work a lot better, I think. But I mean, that that's been, like now. that's one of the recur- reoccurring people have been talking about that. But my question is, do they actually know what to do with extra with the extra time to put in filler material, quotation mark, well, um, uh, that would actually smooth this out? Right. Well, just I would add too that Varys has been pretty two dimensional in the show. Um, you know, I think we get clouded by the by the book version of Varys, True. who's involved with an actual plot um, and and is not this utilitarian that he is in the show. So yeah. I think for that two dimensional character, uh, you know, that's probably one of the few things I'm fine with them rushing because it would have been pretty boring yeah. for them to just have him 
have him uh, gradually turn on Daenerys with every little fire and blood moment. Like, mm-hmm. really, with the ethics he's shown in, in the show, it kind of makes sense that it wouldn't have taken too much of seeing the dragons and seeing her willing to burn things down for him to turn on her. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I guess, yeah. But, I mean, it's sort of, it repeats the same problem they had with Littlefinger. Like, these really subtle characters, pe- characters mm-hmm. that are hard to sort of, fully grabs their, their entire intention that they, they yeah they, they sort of just um in the last two seasons they kind of just railroaded them yeah mm-hmm. yeah into one particular way or another and it mm-hmm. just didn't it feels like they they are they they, they lacked the uh they lacked the subtlety to, to deal with such characters mm-hmm. i also feel like this whole scene felt like it was our biggest moment of foreshadowing of what was going to happen later in the episode. And if anything, maybe that's why it would have been nicer to have been in like last week or another bit. So we'd have that foreshadowing instead of like immediately before she turns and goes, you know, mad queen, you know I mean? Really every single Dracarys we've had recently should have been a foreshadowing, but this one really felt like it, Hmm. especially given so soon, you know, I mean, I guess it fit in the episode, but I, I, I kind of just wish they'd put an extra one in between and this had been in that episode instead of the same one. Yeah, and you made a good point earlier, David, that often we're kind of cheering the Dracarys moments, but it, it's, it's also right. implicating us in a lot of the horror on display that, exactly. that we kept cheering it I, until it was turned against, yeah, it became increasingly right. yeah, I, morally yes, ambiguous. Even in, this, even in this moment, and even we like Varys, he technically committed treason, and I guess burning mm-hmm. people alive, we still think that's horrible, but that's the execution du jour of Dan Daenerys. And right. that, is that anything worse than cutting somebody's head off? I don't know. Uh, it's it's very it's still a huge difference from just straight up mass massacring citizens. Right. right. Yeah. For sure. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I mean, I guess that's the question we all have to wonder about is, you know, whether capital punishment is okay. And I think that's, you know, sort, certainly I think something George is getting at and, and the show is uh, as well. You know, we got it? the Dracarys bit last season with Sam's family and whether that was appropriate or not. I mean, I, I feel like it's being questioned. Maybe, maybe you don't agree, but I feel like at least that's something they're going for. And maybe, maybe I'm giving the producers a little more credit. <laughs> the, the show starts with Ned Stark beheading somebody because he has to. Right. Um, I, this is well, and, and, and I and think there, we build to questioning moments. Well, no, but there's plenty of moments where that's sort of a more of a triumphant thing, like John beheading Jano Slint. Right. Um, and I think we're slowly executions. building to questioning that, which is, I think, what they're building Are we? to. Wrong. I think so, but maybe not. I think, I think, kind of like in a similar vein to um, what David is saying, like the way that um, execution is shown in. Um, previous like more previous uh character with the uh, previous characters like ned is it's it's like this burden and it, it takes it's mm-hmm. um very emotional like i guess and like you can tell with the way that she says dracarys in this episode um regarding Varys's execution like she doesn't say with mm-hmm. any voice it's you know it's like oh just kill him like you know like not yeah. obviously not that flippant but it's very um very uh robotic i guess like there's no there's she's not feeling anything she's like well i just gotta kill you because uh, you don't agree with me anymore, so you're done. Um, whereas, like, you get characters like Ned, who he, you know, like, passes on his swing the sword. Like, it's, like, a big emotional toll. Like, after he executes that guy, mm-hmm. he has to go pray or whatever. 
And um, right. yeah, I guess that's my, my two cents. I mean, I guess, but again, still huge separation from doing that than massacring citizens. Oh, true. I'm well, just saying well, it's a slow build. I suppose the, the better comparison maybe would be burning the slavers apart right. and that being the big cheer yeah. moment and then seeing it flipped right. from the citizen's point of view. I feel like a lot of people, I don't know, I feel like there's people who have been trying, and I don't, I'm not suggesting any of you are doing this, that been trying to see take take this moment trying to read back and trying to make sense of this mm. rather than the writer actually doing the work and make and make that feel natural to 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 to, to the people who watch the show right well i mean i think that's going to be an ultimate question of do we are we seeing what we want to see are we seeing what we think we should see but at the same time you know even if we take you know from the book knowledge we know george has spent much of this book trying to be anti-war and show you know the, the cost of war to the people so to me while a lot of people don't think it fits and it is, isn't in the way that George would do it, it feels like everything we get in here from Danny is, it feels like something George would do. And it feels like that's a message George would want to send. Now, I might be reading way more into this than either George or the producers mean. So that's always possible. But I feel like it fits with, you know, we ask like, will George do this? And we'll probably have that discussion later. It feels to me like what the kind of story he's been telling all along. You know, we got we got a whole book in feast of, you know, seeing the, the terrors of what war does to people. So seeing Danny become the embodiment of that makes sense to me. One other thing I thought maybe change the subject a little bit here, but also in the Varys stuff, I thought it was interesting that when Tyrion comes to tell Danny about a betrayal, Danny first guesses that it was John that betrayed him, betrayed her, which I thought was interesting and telling about her paranoia. And then as soon as he goes, well, no, it was that he goes, well, then he blames Sansa for it, which basically means it's it's John's fault, too. So she's like twisting things around to blame everyone around her. So what what was the bet- yeah I, I guess it definitely gets at her just general paranoia and feeling like everyone's against her. But what what was the specific betrayal? Was it just that the secret was was getting out, or, or was specifically the fact that Varys was trying to seat John on the throne or encourage right. him to? Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that part. I think it's that part. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and he, he kind of hinted that he was going to kill Danny last episode to to Tyrion. Oh, okay. And I guess it's meant to be tragic that he watched so many of the victims of the Mad King burn, and now he's being burned by his daughter. It's like, the more you try and change things, the more they become the same. I, I gotta say, I actually liked Varys in this, and his story in here, especially when he goes, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. And it turns out he's right. So I, I kind of liked that as the like prequel of the episode, you know? I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess for me. the idea is that, you know, whether it's well done or not is definitely up for debate. But he, I guess he senses something that he recognizes maybe in the Mad King that nobody else sees, like mm-hmm. this sort of will to power right. or this will to dominate or this sort of refusal to accept anything but loyalty and obedience and all that. Um, any thoughts on Amelia Clark's just general performance? Do you think she sells it, even if the writing doesn't? Yeah, I think <laughs> hilariously um, and ironically, because in, 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 in all the previous seasons, there's also a lot, there's lots of complaints about Clark's acting. Whereas in this final season, all of a sudden, everybody's turned out completely 180 and saying, oh, the writing has failed Amelia Clark. Hmm. <laughs> I, I felt like, you know, last week she was starting to go there. I mean, especially we, did, we talked about that scene where she was in the like, 
in the middle of the the dinner and she was you know not hearing anything and we could start to see it happening there and then her paranoia about all the you know all the starks against her and everyone else but i mean i felt like especially in this all this stuff with varus i felt like she was definitely i could already see like oh shit here we go yep we're getting the mad queen like i all through i mean i thought that was to me the point of the virus scene was to get us in the oh shit here it's it's not it it's not going to be good she's losing it and and i think we slowly built to that as it came to it i mean i think in this episode it was somewhat earned i just wish in her whole arc it was more earned yeah you know? like like i think i think clark does sell it in last episode in this episode just her mm-hmm. Like coldness and her just sort of deadening eyes, um, mm-hmm. and in all the sort of technical elements, the way it's lit, the use of audio to create this sort of un- unnerving feeling, the sense of paranoia and distance, and all that, the mm-hmm. draping and shadows, the sort of her alone on the throne, and all that. Like it creates this impression of this growing or this burgeoning madness. But again, it's not really <laughs> earned in any way in the writing. It just seems to come out of right. nowhere in like two episodes. Like she was fine like three yep. episodes ago, and now. Like right, right, it's not clear right. specifically what did it. I guess it's the revelation about John and losing her, a lot of her men. Jora maybe also losing her main confidant. Is it like trauma over the long night? Is it? It's not. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe that's the point. It can't be pinpointed to anything. But I guess right. the the unfortunate implication is that it's sort of this genetic thing that she can't help becoming mad because she's the daughter of the yeah, Mad King, which which seems yeah. to be out of nowhere and, and all, sort of almost offensive. Yeah. But, I mean, I think at the same time, I think she also, a big part of it is, I mean, she always had people around her and supporters. And in the last few episodes, she's lost everyone. You know, I mean, she's lost Masande. In her mind, she's lost John now. She's lost Varus. She, you know, has she had, I mean, she's been questioning Tyrion all season. And, and rightfully so, we could argue. Mm. You know, so who does she really have on her side right now? Grey Worm. That, that's like it, really, right? You know, I yeah. mean, Davos, I guess. I don't know. We, I never really understood why Davos was behind her anyways. So, I mean, who does she really have? So I feel like, and then, you know, last week she lost her her closest confidant, Masande, and her child in her mind, you know, the dragon. And so what has she got left? She pretty much has Drogon. So, well, she went all out with him. <laughs> yeah. Quick question about that, though. Yeah. If only John had actually, like, responded to her in that little, like, let's let's hook up, let's kiss, let's make out. Like, if he had just, like, gone all in with her and, like, fucked her and had not been awkward about it being his aunt and whatever other issues he may have had, do you think maybe she wouldn't have turned? Like, could that little moment have I saved really hope millions of people? Is not, I really hope the TV show is not making that point. I don't think it was. I think the point, there were multiple things, but I think that was, like, kind of the final straw. This is the other that really lost John. That she lost not the fucking, not the fucking so much, but that she lost John in her mind at that moment. Like she's getting close to him. She's like, no, no, save me, be with me right now. And he's like, no, I can't. I yeah, can't. which is another so, major yeah. problem because this idea that they have this intense sort of relationship <laughs> that was established right. over two episodes really isn't yep. sold particularly right. well, either in chemistry or in the amount of time right. that they've even known each other. But. Right. Um, but yeah, this is the other really frustrating thing that it's a lot of it's a lot of her supposed descent seems to hinge on this revelation about John, which could right. so easily have been avoided either by him just keeping it a secret, considering he doesn't actually want the throne, or he keeps telling everyone he does that he meets, um, or the fact that Sam and uh, Bran told him this information in the first place. It, it just I don't know. It's it's frustrating that this particular thread 
which seemed sort of unimportant or maybe it was was prophetically or we didn't really understand what its role was but apparently its role was just a device to plunge danny into madness which feels really cheap mm-hmm. okay. Uh, okay but let's keep going uh so Tyrion learns that jamie has been captured trying to re-enter the city apparently he was hailing a cab and accidentally used his golden hand the only golden <laughs> hand in the entire continent Meanwhile, Arya and the Hound literally waltz through Danny's lines undisguised without a thread of resistance, further emphasizing Jamie's incompetence. Uh, Tyrion decides to free Jamie anyway on the condition that he convinces Cersei to flee across the narrow sea and pulls the city's surrender alarm on his way out the door. So um yeah, Jamie, not the not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Um, I was surprised. Like, I, I genuinely thought he had different intentions when he abandoned Brienne and headed south. But it, no, he's just yeah. heading straight back there. So that was that was disappointing to me. Yeah, you all that convinced was. me that maybe that was the case, but I guess I was right. I'm, and I'm a little disappointed. But yeah, he just can't quit. I think if the writers too much credit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I honestly kind of like the idea that. He, he looked for this better life, you know, with Brienne, and he realized, you know what, I've just done such awful things. I am a bad person, and he kind of reverted. It was almost like a, an addict, you know, reverting into his addiction to Cersei. Like, I, I, I kind of like it, actually, in, in a fucked up way. I realize that, that the Jamie fans are going to hate that it ruins his, you know, his his redemption and all, but I I don't know if you can redeem that much. Like, I don't mind that he reverted back to Cersei. I just wish that the writers hadn't had him, like, have sex with Brienne and then revert back to Cersei. Like, maybe the last episode, you know, they could have, like, gotten—he and Brienne could have gotten to the point where they were, and then he could have been like, wait, hold on, no, I need to go back to Cersei. Because him sharing such, like, an intimate moment with Brienne and then just being like, mm, you know, actually, like, I'm going to go back to my sister because I actually realize I care about her more than you. It's just, it's so disrespectful to, like, the relationship built up for Jamie and Brienne and just towards Brienne's character and towards, I don't know, I just, it really, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have minded if they hadn't been, like, teasing this, like, Jamie and Brienne and Brienne helping Jamie with, um, his like redemption towards being able to see himself as mm-hmm. a good person or uh, or not a good person, but um, being capable of good. The problem with a lot of character writing in this show, especially up, to, especially in the last two seasons, is that all the characters almost get flattened into sort of short summaries of who these people are, and that they can never advance out of that shell. That John always will always be honest and tell the truth, no matter what kind of situation it is, even though it's completely dumb politically mm-hmm. for him to say this or not. Uh, Jamie will always revert back to Cersei, despite all these different things happening to him in his life. From the fact of Cersei betraying him for Euron Greyjoy, um, and refusing <laughs> to even fight on the behalf of humanity against the dead. Even to these sort of ex- extremes, Jamie is always still going to do revert back to Cersei because he's Jamie. He's that's who he is. But it feels like characters cannot just move out of the show. There's, there's not so much of lack of character progression that character progression isn't even possible in this world, which yeah. that's the frustration. I, I guess I guess yeah. as someone who isn't a huge Jamie fan, I mean I like the character and whatever, and I like his arc. I I kind of like the idea because in the real world, you know what people do think? Hey, maybe I can get away from this awful relationship, and they'll try something else, and they'll either cheat or they'll try a new relationship and realize 
no, I can't do this. And I think that happens so often in the world. I mean, how many pe- how many people go back to someone who beat them or someone who was horrible for them or whatever in the real world? I think that happens all the time. So I'm not so sure that that's I mean, we want him to have we want him to grow and we want him to be better. But how often in the real world do people just not grow and don't if get better? That's- if that's the what they're going for with his character, then they need to show that they need to and need to put in a lot more work than they did into writing yeah. his character than what they have than what they have done. I feel like personally, the the motivation for it was seeing Bran and the whole like, no, I really did fucked up shit, and and I'm not better than I I want to be better, but I'm not. Uh, to me, maybe again, I could be reading into it, but I think that's what they were going for, and it worked for me, and it didn't work for other people, and, and that's yeah. fine. But, but I think maybe we've not. Just, I think we've just got a new kraken emerge. Dana, are you there? Yay! Yeah, from the depths. From um, the smoky depths. Yes. Um, <laughs> very true. I am having my pre-work cigarette, and on the Damien ah. Cersei thing, we also completely fi- like, and this is a writer's fault as well. We completely forget that they're twins. Like, how much I dislike the entire Jamie thing after having almost twenty-four hours to digested you know they are so tied to get together like they're not just it's not just a a romantic relationship they came into the world together they'll go out of the world together and maybe it wasn't jamie knew cersei was going to die and he couldn't live in a world without her maybe yeah i still didn't like it i still didn't enjoy it and big middle finger to that writing yeah I think that's true that um, it might not have even been a sense of him wanting to go save Cersei, but literally just wanting to go die with her because that bond was mm-hmm. so intense. But again, mm-hmm. we might just be giving the writers too much credit. Right, right. I don't know. Um, but Dana, did you want to give your lemon cakes for the episode while you're here? Uh, I'd like to thank Vikram for reminding me that this existed. I give it a bowl of brown. Oof. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Tough crowd. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this sounds like the internet's Welcome. very torn over this all around. I am so sorry that I was so very wrong, and I'm sorry that I was excited, and I <laughs> let down other vassals with my lies and hopefulness, and I let down myself, and I am yeah. sorry I was so it's wrong okay. after episode oh. four. <laughs> there, there. I just want to be right here. I just want to say that I didn't want to be. I really liked your ideas last week, but oh well. It's okay. No one is wrong here except for Dan and Dave. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a great uh, Casey posted it on our Game of Thrones show chat of a melody of like the actors. And there's one with uh, the actors who played Grain Worm and Gendry at the end of season seven. And uh, the guy that plays Gendry is just like, you know, come the end of seven, he's like, yeah, story arcs, gone. You know, characters, and the guy that plays Grey Worm's like, geez, you're brave. But he's completely right. Like, and, and you can tell on the guy that plays Grey Worm's face, like, he completely and utterly agrees. Um, I, I thought the special effects were really good. The destruction of King's Landing was very good. I liked the idea of using Arya in that way. I, I thought that was great just to show not everything from Danny's perspective or the army's perspective. But as like an everyday person, and Ari has been used that way so many times throughout the seasons hmm. that I, I liked. Like mm-hmm. this might be the final time that they use Arya in that way, and they did it so well. But mm-hmm. I didn't like the story, and I don't like Danny going crazy because it just seems like look a hysterical woman, and 
it wouldn't come that way if they had more time and her descent into madness. But we had five minutes at the beginning of her not eating and sleeping. And <laughs> I think I said this before, like on the show chat, but I just believe it so much. If, if Tyrion is willing to sacrifice his life for the citizens of King's Landing, John should be willing to fuck his aunt. <laughs> Something mm. I just said earlier, yeah. Amen. <laughs> or at least just have a conversation. Like, can they... Right, right. They've talked, like, five times. I'm like... Or I don't know how many times, but I'm like, can you just... Like, one of you acknowledge that you're related. Like, just... Yeah, uh, they've never actually said it. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. Danny doesn't care, though. Targs don't care. <laughs> I mean, she yeah, thought she honestly, might end up marrying her brother, and that's how she grew up, so, you know. Yeah, like, honestly, just how, like, you have this thing where Targaryens marry their siblings. Can you not just have one moment where John is like, you're my aunt, and Danny be like, yeah, welcome to the family. Get in here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but, it, yeah, I meant like a hug, but. Uh, <laughs> um, just with Tyrion and Jamie, I was surprised that, Tyrion is still trying to get Cersei out alive that he doesn't yeah. want her dead even after everything she's done that like I don't know what it is whether it's the kinslaying thing or whether it's just they don't want Tyrion to appear too bad of a character but it strikes me as yeah. really odd that he's still defending her after she's been like so unremittingly evil and homicidal right. to, to both of them I mean she threatens to kill both mm -hmm. Tyrion and Jaime right. at the end of the last season that's what I thought was going to finally break the spell but uh, no they're still hire someone it. to actually kill them both remember um, I, literally two I episodes ago it. it's insane Right. Where is Bronn? What is he up to? Is he ruling the region? Right. He he said he's going to take some time off now and wait and let them do their shit. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean it, it is weird, and I and I feel like this is definitely one of the difference between Book Tyrion and because I don't think Book Tyrion would would do this. So no you know, I think that's going to be different. I got to say though, speaking of Book Tyrion versus Show Tyrion. I feel like, you know, I really loved that last scene between Tyrion and Jamie, where he's like, you're the only one who didn't treat me like a monster. You were all I had. And and, and I got to say, that scene had me bawling and I loved it. And and one thing I thought of is that I feel like this is one of the reasons they left the Taisha reveal out of the show, because I don't think that scene would have worked if, you know, they if, if that whole Taisha thing had happened. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know about that, but I do think the the scene was really sweet. I thought Dinklage was really good, um, and I do think it was a good echo of that that last scene in season four where Jamie helps Tyrion escape from death, right. and it's kind of like a reverse of that where Tyrion's helping Jamie escape, and he's even telling him go down to the dock and and you know escape the city, and yeah, it was a sweet farewell. I did like. Uh... Jamie's acting at the very beginning because that was a face of someone who's resigned to shitting in their pants again. He's like, yep, yep. I'm tied to a post yep. again. <laughs> it's um, a living. Done it before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the best plan, but none of these plans are very good and they just seem to pull them off anyway. King's Landing right. seems to be the least mm -hmm. secure city in the world. Anyone can yeah. get in or out, whatever they want. Well, they didn't pull it out because they didn't get out. <laughs> I'm surprised that Jamie got captured. I thought it was I know, right? pretty easy to get to you know back and forth across Westeros unimpeded. He lost his right-hand glove. That was the problem. Right. Like, he had it at the beginning when he went to, like, Winterfell. He must have lost it there, so he was, like, yeah. trekking down without his glove. But then he yeah, had it, it again a... in King's Landing. Yep. Yeah. The Night's King torments us from beyond the grave. There you go. Stole that glove. <laughs> All right, I might move on to the next section. Uh, so, the battle begins with the Mother of Dragons celebrating Mother's Day by obliterating the Iron <laughs> Fleet. 
while her army surrounds the city. The Golden Company strike an impressive pose, but are immediately demoted to the Participation Trophy Company in a tidal wave of flame. Uh, John and Grey Worm lead the charge through the breach. Eventually, the Lannister soldiers, trapped between a rock and a hot place, lay down their arms in surrender. Um, so what do you think of the start of the battle? Just watching the, the, uh, the Krakens get wiped off the face of the earth in about two seconds. Yeah, I'm, I thought it was fine. The one, one thing I wanted to say that was interesting before the battle starts is they suddenly start telling everyone in the city, oh, hide, let, hide, they're coming. I'm like, hadn't we figured that out after the big confrontation last time that they were coming? Like, why are we suddenly, like, sending all the people in to hide now? Like, it was just strange to me. So, well, it, it was amazing to me in the, uh, I don't, what is it? Is it two weeks that pass in the show that the Northern Army's marching south, they say? between episode four and five or whatever, that in that time we went from Cersei, things were remarkably even when Danny had two dragons. Oh, she lost one. Oh, uh, but by by episode five, her win is inevitable. Like, they spent all that time pumping Cersei up and pumping the scorpions up. Like and the Golden Company and all these things, and then well, never mind. Like Drogon, Drogon spent these two weeks doing his agility training, um, <laughs> and he's now gonna dodge everything, and um, yeah. So that you know, there's no more, there's no more stakes. It's just in two minutes, Danny has killed everything that was a threat to her. I mean, it's always tricky to try and apply like military strategy when you've got like magical yep. <laughs> monsters right, in that's the battle. The point. But I, th- I think I didn't have a problem with the the surprise attack simply because it was a surprise attack. So if she knew what right. was happening, she would have had surprise a plan. Attack. But I don't think exactly. she's even encountered. I guess she's heard about the Iron Fleet because they they messed up the other Greyjoys, they, but she wasn't aware of these yeah. scorpions were in production. She's seen yeah. one of them, but now they suddenly have like 50 of them that can be reloaded within a second. So that, I mean, that yeah. kind of made sense. It didn't really make sense that she didn't, again, I guess she had a strategy in this battle, but if she could do that now, why didn't she just start circling the ships and start burning them down right there and then? Why right. yeah. Why retreat? That's and true. then, yeah, it, it's a bit unclear it's... what the dragon is actually capable of. It's like it's, well, it's, it's giant these giant swings one two to one side or the other, like either either the the the, the, the Euron and his and and the, all the scorpions are are awesome and they can just and Danny can't have no idea how to fight them or Danny just come in and destroys them easily without them doing anything to 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 to, to Danny exactly yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I try not to get too heavy into detail. Like, I know a lot of people are mad about the Cove thing, and I was like, well, you know, they kind of showed him undercover in episode four. So, like, you know, you can get into that level and get frustrated, but from a story level, they played it up like she couldn't just do this with Drogon. I mean, they really made it seem like she couldn't just fly in with Drogon and kill everyone. And then she flies in with Drogon and kills everyone. Like, that's not good storytelling. And it's not like, you know, and it's not even in the way of like, well, you know, when the leading up to the Red Wedding or with Ned where you were like, no, they're not really going to do it. No, they're not really going to do it. But like they kept telling you they were going to do it. It was like, no, they told you she can't do it. You can't do it this way. It's not possible. Things are things are in favor of at least equal with Cersei and the Scorpions. Uh, just kidding. No, they're not. Like that's that's my issue with it. It's just why 
why did you build up Cersei so much and then it's just nothing? It, it also begs the question, why is this even an ethical dilemma for Danny and co? To, I mean, she could have done this without hurting a single civilian. She could have just done yeah. this, you know, weeks ago. Um, she could have just burnt the scorpions on the wall weeks ago and that doesn't actually put the civilians in danger necessarily. I mean, yeah. maybe some collateral damage, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, like the why, Lannister why hold army off? fell apart so easily. Yeah. So there was no I, even, not even that much need to fight them. So right, why right. was... We didn't even need the armies, really. I mean, yeah, she we could, didn't really need the armies. She could have done this like when they were, you know, having that standoff outside the gates at the end of last episode. She could have just yeah. started burning ships like every minute that Missandei is not given to to me i'm gonna burn another ship or it's, the golden company what what are they there for it, it seems like the the dragons are only as powerful as the plot needs them to be at any given point yep. it's weird at, yeah. at the same time though i think the whole point that i think george is trying to get to and and maybe i'm totally misreading it is that these are weapons of mass destruction we're talking about medieval times if you threw a nuke hmm. you know into one of the battles in like ancient greece that's going to change everything and and that's what the dragons are. I mean, you know, for all that we I mean, think about, yeah, maybe Aegon had some troubles, but realistically, Aegon came in out of nowhere with dragons and took over the entire country. And she has them and is now doing the same in a city. That's not unreasonable. I mean, she should be able to do that with the power of these things. And I, I don't think anything that she did in that episode I mean, I mean, you could argue it made sense in her mind to do it, but I think it, it made logical sense that she was able to basically take out the entire city and the army with a dragon because it's super powerful. I mean, it doesn't exist in the real world, so we can't really talk about military history because there's no such thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they could have done. Like, they could have had some kind of strategy with the ships where there's a diversion or something, but it, it is literally just the dragon <laughs> solves everything. And and yet, having said all of this, I still kind of really enjoyed the scene <laughs> as like mm-hmm. pure spectacle. I was kind cool of still, cinematography. I was still kind of fist bumping, watching him take out all the scorpions and watching Cersei's face just crumple up <laughs> as she realized all right. of her plans for the past year have been wiped out in a, mm-hmm. yeah. in a, in a couple of minutes. What It'll take doing this entire time, which is weird. Like I thought she was, she had some kind of ace up her sleeve because she seems so confident yeah. that she was going to overwhelm the dragons. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of just delusion, basically. It was revealed, or it was Euron. Yeah. Euron was the ace up her sleeve, and that didn't go very far. Yeah, well, he's no one's ace up her sleeve. <laughs> I know, right? right? At least not well, in last episode. Euron hit a dragon. Maybe right. he should have hit another dragon. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna it's gonna take the Ironborn three whole days to rebuild all those ships. I know. <laughs> Better get chopping. Mm. <laughs> all right, we'll move on to the less awesome part of the battle, uh, uh. which is the King's Landers chanting for the surrender bells to be rung, but whoever they send mixes up the order and pulls the immolation bell instead. Uh, while Danny channels the Mad King, Drogon channels Smog and starts super soaking the entire city with fire. John watches in horror as the Unsullied begins slaughtering unarmed soldiers and civilians, protesting that he needs to check the back of the box, but he's pretty sure that's not allowed. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Jamie takes a quick break on his way to the Red Keep to build a sandcastle, but is rudely interrupted by the most annoying pirate in the world. They fight, <laughs> and his golden hand finally comes in handy as he socks Euron in the face and puts a sword through his chest. After getting a few swords in his. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Couple couple things I have annoyed with this uh, section is uh one John is like stop everybody 
stab someone. Stop. <laughs> stab someone else. Like, yeah. it's so stupid. And, like, what does he expect to do? Yeah. Um, Can't we all get along? Okay. This really pissed me off about Euron's death was like he died thinking that he won. And I'm just right. like, no, like he needs his or I, I don't know. Euron doesn't do anything in this show. But right, right, I don't right. Know, you know, he's he's kind of set up to be this big bad. And he's just like, oh, my gosh, I got to kill Jamie Lannister. Like, I get to die right. happy. And right. no one else gets to die happy. So it's just it's mm-hmm. very annoying. OK, um, also, I need to leave. So bye. See you, Abby. <laughs> Thank <Bye>. you. Yeah. <laughs> Abby. He's, you know, uh, that's the problem. Euron is just like a cartoon villain on the show. Let's be honest. <laughs> I will say that, though. He's he's kind of good at it. I I kind of like his crazy eyes that he gives, you know, when he, when he like puffs his eyes out. I don't know how he does it. But and, and he gives that like mad faces. It, it's dumb and it's silly and childish. And, and, and I kind of like it. I don't know why. But everything about Euron is just ridiculous. I mean, he should have just died on the boat. That would have been appropriate, I think. Let him die on his so- boat. But instead, we have to have him coming out of this random cove scene which i don't know how jamie got there but whatever and this whole scene was just ludicrous that said it was kind of entertaining <laughs> oh it was entertaining you know let's let's do the reach for the sword thing how many times did that happen in that same battle like five different times they reached for the sword like oh come on <laughs> that's definitely not in the books <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> well, I mean, Euron's going to be a lot more interesting in the books. So. Well, I mean, Book Euron would just like eat Jamie. Maybe bring up a Kraken from the from the depths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a lot better than this dollar store Jack Sparrow we have on the show. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's yeah. bizarre, um, you know. And and him playing the like, oh, by the way, I fucked your sister. Like, it right. was just weird. Yeah, it almost felt like this is part of the reason why they wanted Jamie to come back because this like cool showdown. Like a, yeah, a yeah. sort of bad, yeah, that, sort of weaker version of Click Aimball, like <laughs> Cersei's two lovers fight or something, like, which seems really corny. Yeah. Um, but the sort of the major part of the episode also occurs also, here, okay. which is Danny's decision to uh, torch uh, the city anyway, even after they after they surrendered, which is yeah pretty mm. horrible to watch. Yeah, I was actually crying through this. I was just like, oh, no. Oh, they went there. They went there. Oh, Danny. Oh, God. And then watching all the horrors around, it was just, oh, it was horrible to watch. Which seems so unnecessary. Like, you could have it be ambiguous where they don't get to ring the bells and she's not sure what's happening because she's so high up. But they very clearly surrender and she burns them anyway and Grey Worm seems to be in on it like it's almost like they had a decision beforehand like if they surrender yeah. I'd kill him anyway which just it just seems such a huge leap and it seems yeah yeah it just seems so way wrong. too way too far yeah. for a character that we've known or we've we've been connected to for so long to say to make such a leap think well, back to season three and season four when she was freeing Yonkai and Marine. And like the very last scene in season three, where she's carried around and people chanting Misa, Misa, Misa. Right, right. Yeah, I don't think she's going to get the same treatment at the end of this battle. (laughs) It's not going to be white savior Danny. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want, if you want to be mad about this episode, just watch those behind the thrones things because literally the the explanation was that she saw the red keep and thought of everything her family had lost and it set her off. And I was like. That makes no sense. Uh, that really, I was like, what? So she saw the thing she's wanted her entire life, realized, 
Like, here's the bells, which means she's got it. It's hers. Now let's go destroy it. Like, what? Well, not only what? that, but like, if she saw the keep, why didn't she go for the freaking keep? I she know. She, decided, yeah. she didn't, like, if she'd gone straight for the keep and then, like, taken out the keep and Cersei, like, that would have made sense. I'd have been okay with that. Like, you could, t- yeah, there'll be some collateral damage, but at least that makes sense. You're taking out, like, the, the seat of power there. Yeah, it's more efficient. It's more effective. And, hey, you actually get a city to rule at the end of it. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> Crazy. Makes no sense. It's just Here, pure, well, pure but, can, destruction. Can I step back for one second? Because I have one question that I don't understand. Who actually rang those bells? Who who did that? Like, did Jamie actually tell someone to? Because we didn't see it. No. Did Tyrion did tell someone who? Or, like, who made that decision? Because it's theoretically I, should be Cersei's to make, and she didn't. So, no, what Tyrion says, people, that's... Tyrion just says that's the protocol if the city is surrendered. So it must just be a soldier doing it. But like, who gets well, to make that? So- I don't get that. All the soldiers <laughs> threw their swords down. I yeah, mean, true. they were doing all that artistically. So I'm just assuming yeah, so there some, was some chain of command. Yeah, some Lannister captain or some, you know, uh, city watch right. captain has just told someone, go ring the bells when he sees everyone yeah. else surrendering. It's it's just I guess my thing is like they show that scene and Danny like the bells ring and you see this sort of look come over her face of like I've done it like that was the, my initial impression and it's like all the stuff that's been stressing her out really ha- a lot of it comes back yeah. to her identity as queen is threatened in a way it hasn't been in a long time and this moment is is King's Landing which she says herself like it doesn't matter if every other kingdom's pledged to me. I need to take King's Landing. I need to sit on the Iron Throne. This moment is her getting that, and then she just goes off. And that does—that's not even consistent with the Mad King. Like the Mad King yeah. didn't burn, didn't burn people who came up to him and said, "You're the king. You're awesome." Like he burned people that he thought actually did things. That, like, well, it turns out, you know, it's not paranoid if they're actually plotting against you, right? But, um, yeah. you know, like he—he he generally was against people that had done something to him. You know, the Varus thing was more like the Mad King than anything else. It's just, uh, there's just no, uh, this decision, just, it. they didn't do it right. They didn't give it any way. Like, it just, it seemed like something they wanted to happen and tried to find a few reasons and they weren't good. And it just didn't, it didn't make sense for this 180 of the character. So can I ask what you think? I mean, I feel like at this point, something this massive they have to have gotten from George. Now the question is, how do we think George is going to deal with this? Like, because I mean, I can't imagine that they would they would go this far off script. I mean, whether it'll happen before the Night King stuff or after, or what's going to happen timing wise, or how Fagon gets in, I don't know. But like, I mean, I feel like she's got she's going to have to burn King's Landing somehow because I don't think that would be yeah. that dramatically different. So how is George going to do this? Uh, one thing I've thought of is like, what about? I mean, what if the others take King's Landing and it's more of a Danny has to burn King's Landing to save the realm? Like that could be an incredibly, like, weighty, passionate moment. Um, you know, of this is what she's wanted her entire life, but to be the queen, she has to destroy it. I don't know. I mean, that's one thing. There, there's a lot of different ways I could see it yeah. going, but. That would be great, uh, you know, but I, again, that would be so far off the script that we've got here, I, I don't see it being that different. But, I mean, the show's Game of Thrones and the books are Song of Ice and Fire. So, yep. Yep. Uh, so I mean, to me, that uh, Danny's arc has to be more into the Song of Ice and Fire in the books than it will be in the sh- than it was in the show. I mean, the whole thing that probably had with the, 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 the showrunners just sticking to these so-called 
notes from George about how the series mm-hmm. ends that they literally adapted it like as if it's a Cliff Notes version, and that the 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 fill in the blanks part of between all these points they seem to just completely ignore the the work of to do that when they which is probably worse they're incapable of doing the work of filling in the blanks they simply just have to move from one plot point to the other plot point somehow and they, they, they just brute force it yeah and that's not easy in their defense like it's not easy no but uh, that's nope. that's the job they signed up for. Yeah, I mean. Well, no, they no they signed up for adapting books that he, they never got. To be fair, I guess. <laughs> I know, but Hello. they're still writers. Sec- they still have to write. <laughs> it's you, you can't not, just well, say, oh, you we... still have to adapt. Yeah, yeah. it's like yes, yeah, so, okay. nothing to adapt. I feel sorry they for them. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I um, I accept that they've run out of material, but they're still writing a TV show. Like it still has to make sense right. as a TV show, yeah. regardless of any material they're adapting it from. And I think a lot of our problems is that the connective it's like maybe the scenes themselves are well done or well shot or whatever but the connective tissue just isn't there we can't follow them even as tv characters independent of the books yeah yeah, yeah. i mean we needed another season to make all this stuff work better and we didn't get it and well i don't know if, maybe, i don't know if yeah. another season would have i don't know they, they, yeah they I mean, not show us anything that they're able to like, even create those connective tissues. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they could have been doing this earlier, this descent. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe there's a few nods to it last season with her burning mm-hmm. prisoners and blah, blah, blah. But it, um, yeah, I feel like they just didn't plot it out well. They didn't seed it early enough or, I don't know. I guess it's interpretation. Maybe some people did see it coming. Mm-hmm. Some people didn't. Yeah. It's yeah. Just like well, I mean, we've even had theories things. in the books from I mean, from like where we were three seasons ago was where we are in the books. We had people in the books already theorizing that that she will become the Mad Queen. I mean, so it's not well, like the books it hasn't been does there. a much more better job of creating the scenarios. It's not so much even like there whether there are hints or, sh- or foreshadowing within a TV show that this is what's going to happen to Danny. It's that the triumphant moments of Danny is so overwhelming that this this shift feels manipulative. Yeah, so like season four, we get a scene of the slavers like nailing children to crosses, and that's like yes. outrageous to Danny. So what happened right. in the last couple of seasons that makes child killing okay now? Yeah, right. right. Although we, we she ended up having the slavers nailed to crosses in, in retaliation. Oh, yeah, no, she's totally cool <laughs> so. with mass horror and butchery, but it's against people who deserve them. So, like, yeah, Cersei, mm. obviously, in her mind, deserves that. Even the Lannister soldiers totally deserve that. Right. But why right. Why is it suddenly okay in that split decision to unleash fire on not only helpless people, but people who have actually surrendered to you? Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, I mean, What's that's another logic? level from, yeah, that's right. another no, level from, the only Targaryens that did that in history were, like, a couple of them during the dance that were mad and terrible. Like, even, I mean, even Aegon and Visenya weren't out there burning places that had surrendered and burning right. entire cities. They were burning castles. Um, so, I mean, it's a whole other level. Um, getting back to the idea of, like, how long this has been foreshadowed again this is where watch behind the thrones if you want to get mad they said they said like well even think about when Viserys died you could see something in her eyes that was scary then I was like you mean a like he he just threatened that's where just the you I want to smack Dan and Dave sometimes because they're like you know they're comparing this moment to her having steel about like deciding that her brother's dead to her after he threatened her unborn child. And like, that's, that's what a good parent does. Like if a good, like if a good parent has a relative that's harming or threatening to harm their child, they cut that relative off. Like that's, 
But that's, oh. you know, that's apparently a sign that she's Cut them off and queen. kill them or two different things. <laughs> well, she didn't, kill, she didn't kill him. Wow. I mean, watched him. Oh, beyond that, at that moment, who was cheering for Viserys? Or who was right. compassionate no. towards Viserys? Right, no, certainly. He was an asshole. But we all love that moment. And that, that's kind yeah. of my point. We loved and cheered at that moment. Well, the thing is, the TV show wanted us to cheer for that moment. They made the whole, the, the whole death of Viserys comical. But it's not even a question of the morals of it, right? Like they use that as a justification that they were showing that Danny early on showed signs that she was becoming this fire and blood insane person. And is that really proof of that? I, I don't think so at all. No. I mean, I don't think that isn't a bad reaction at all to someone who's been extremely abusive to you, who now has just threatened your unborn child that you find the metal to say you're dead to me. And I'm not going to raise a finger to protect you because you're you're literally a threat to my child. So I, that, I think that's a normal, non-insane reaction. I, I think right. it's fair to say, though, that violence is not the solution and that maybe that isn't a good reaction. But that would be my point of view. <laughs> that said, I did cheer it on myself. And, and now I look back yeah. and I think, oh, maybe that was fucked up of me to cheer for that. I think more of the point is that there's been violence throughout her life and she's embraced it. And I think that's kind of what they're getting at. Maybe not. I mean, maybe I'm just I'm, that's my take on it. We don't have to agree. Yeah. And I guess that's maybe like one of the themes of the episode, like that revenge right. kind of destroys everything that if you seek revenge, right. you're kind of destroying yourself and it becomes this sort of it violence begetting feels, violence kind of kind of action. It just feels so lacking subtlety. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna argue. I won't argue that. I mean, we burnt down a city. That's nothing. All that stuff. What's not? Yeah. What's not that? It's like there's no context. It's just well, there's ooh, violence equals bad. There's complexity and layers, and there's arguments yeah. to be had about right. crucifying the masters. Like, yeah. and, and what's his name? What's her husband and Marine's name? The sweaty guy in the his, books. His dar. <laughs> his dar. Yeah, I can never remember his name. Like his dar points that out. He's like, my father didn't vote to do that to the children, but because he was in the the body of the masters that did, he got killed. So it's like, yeah, there. That's not good. Like it. Like I can understand how you decided to take down the power structure that's so evil, but in doing so, you did kill some of them that weren't out here trying to crucify slaves just to prove a point. But they had slaves too, and were you know. So I I get it, and that there's there's levels, and there's an argument. I mean, you feel like uh, when you argue about Danny crucifying the master, sometimes you feel like you're arguing about the Civil War here in America. Right, right. And it's like there's none of that with this. There, you know, it's just she loses it and and takes everything out on all the civilians in a way that you know what woke the i guess what's what's woken the dragon her entire arc are people hurting innocents like that Mm. and for her and now the dragon just gets woken but because she sees her house like like that's really what they said well i mean i think a lot of i don't think it's just her house i think a big part of it is the fact that she just lost one of her children she just lost her nearest confidant she feels alone she freaks out and and i'm not and she's she's horribly traumatized that doesn't excuse any of it mind you i'm not going to in any way excuse it it's it's horrible i mean like i cried watching it it was utterly horrible but i think that was the point we don't have to agree but i think that was the point it's horrible the point is again 
it's the problem is they, it seems like they're trying to paint something that's gray about a morality here, whereas it's just black and white instead of just. Oh, I don't think it's gray. I don't think it's gray. I'm just saying. I think that's the point they're making is that it's not gray. Is that all that other well, stuff that was gray maybe isn't as gray as we think? Is I think what they're getting to is that all of this slowly building up. We, we're now getting to the extreme of it, but maybe we should have started questioning some of those earlier decisions. Is I think. You know, at least that's what I take from it. I think another thing maybe they're trying to show, particularly with like the soldiers kind of sacking the city, is like this thing mm-hmm. that Martin describes about like the kind of the bloodlust that occurs during right. during like the invasion of a city or or right. that idea. Like it seemed very like John ex- sort of witnessing mm-hmm. that horror seemed to echo Ned's descriptions of the the first sacking of King's Landing. That idea that there's like a bloodlust that that she's the violence begets violence kind of idea mm-hmm. um, that you're in it and now you have to see it all the way to the to the end or something. But I, I did I did find it strange that we didn't really see Danny's point of view after she yeah. makes the decision to actually start burning the city. It's like we sort of it's almost like we leave. She almost goes into this kind of robotic mode, almost like this trance, mm-hmm. and she she sort of we sort of leave her point of view at that point, and she's just like a pure kind of force of nature, which was very uh, disturbing. Yeah, we don't even see her in the last few minutes of the episode. Yeah, we just see her in the distance, kind of, mm-hmm. as a dragon. One thing I just wanted to point out, just in general, is as Cersei's overlooking the city, and then later in the episode, we see a lot of green fire, and what's clearly the smoke from wildfire in the middle there. I'm wondering if those were the catches, the caches that uh, Ares, the Mad King, left, or did Cersei have them put there? Like, would that have happened anyways? I'm wondering what, what they were going for with that. Because clearly there's wildfire all over the city. Yeah, I, I sort of noticed I that. Think there was I don't know if I've come across any theories of what it might be. Maybe just yeah, leftover caches. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I think there was that much. I thought it was just kind of a nod to the Mad King. Oh. The whole Mad King wanting to burn everything with wildfire was that they had, they had some of those green explosions. Is that, I mean, that's the tissue they've been trying to create for the last few episodes with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was all over. I, 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 I paid more attention the second time to little details as I was watching just now before this recording, and and there were a whole bunch of green explosions all over the place. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yes. all through like from the moment she starts, you know, burning af- after she gets the army. Once she gets into the city, everywhere you look, there's a like there's the fi- the you know the red fire from from drogon but then you'll see a little green in the corner and another green explosion and one over there there were a whole bunch of them Hmm. which i thought was interesting an interesting choice i feel like i could imagine cersei doing that like setting up things like the making and it almost becomes like well again but you know we don't see any of that so we can't surmise that but the irony is like she didn't even need to like danny was gonna burn the city anyway so they're sort of doubling up um but speaking of cersei Cersei is having the mother of all Mondays and is heading down to Megas Holdfast for a stiff drink, uh, but she's interrupted by the arrival of the Hound. Two power bars appear at the top of the screen and click aim bold begins. Yes. Greg- <laughs> Gregor tries to turn his brother's head into a literal bowling ball, but uh, both click aims end up in the gutter, plunging towards their death. Meanwhile, Arya is wandering the carnage of King's Landing, doing her best Tony Montana impression, scowling and covered in white powder. She spots a getaway horse and GTAs it out of the city. So thoughts, Clay Gamble, finally happen. What is hype may never die. I know. What did you think? It, did it, it live up inevitable. to the hype? 
I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was it was really good. I didn't like that it didn't have anything to do with the rest of the plot. They literally made a joke of it not having anything to do because Cersei just walks by walks yeah, by <laughs> I'll leave you guys to, to talk this up. But before Clipping Bowl happened, we had Kyburn and Cersei telling Gregor, Don't do this, and he says fuck off. And then Kyburn walks up to him and just gets just thrown into the wall, and that's the end of it. I, I love that just got killed so quickly in like two smashes, and by his own creation out of control. You know, there's some poetic irony there, which I, I like. It was so silly, but it was so just fun and awesome and gratuitous. Perfect. It was just awesome. <laughs> and for, for all people, the mad scientist to get taken out by his own creation was great. Yeah. 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 Gratuitous uh, certainly is a very good word for this whole thing. <laughs> I thought this whole sequence felt so much like a video game to me because you had like yep, yeah. not only the yep. crumbling environment, like like an Uncharted game or something, but also yeah. the shot, like the physical shot of like the hound walking up the stairs with like the camera hovering behind him felt like mm-hmm. so much like the beginning of a boss fight. Because you've even got the sort of the, the chaos behind him. It's kind of like the, the background in a video game with fire and dragons swirling around. And yeah, I could just, I literally could just see power bars kind of appear in the corners of the screen. Yeah. And, and Gregor going back to his old tricks, crushing some eyes and skulls. We have yeah. a nice little flashback it, there. It was, <laughs> it was incredibly brutal. And um, yeah, I love the hound just kind of wailing on him and just screaming, why won't you bloody die? And I really like the part where he takes off his helmet and um, the hound says something like, you know, that's what you look like. That's what you've always looked like underneath. I thought that was kind of a bit profound. Like that's, that's yeah. actually what your soul looks like. Now, you, now everyone can yeah, see yeah. it. Can I interrupt for one second? One thing we didn't talk about, and this is past and we can either edit or whatever, but we never talked about the Arya Sandor scene very much. And oh, I, yeah. I, feel I don't like know. We we, yeah, we can that. talk about that in here because it's kind of Because that was before. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, cause I mean, I loved the Arya Sander scene. I thought it was awesome, but it, but from when you take it from a logical point of view, another one of those, if you think about it, it makes no sense. Like, yep. shouldn't he have done this? I don't know, back in Winterfell <laughs> or have this conversation before you head into the city. Like we're going to walk all the way to the center of the city. And then, Oh, by the way, Hey, um, why don't you just turn around and go back? <laughs> Winterfell's but, like two blocks away. It's not that far. I know. But well, you know what I mean? Like in- we're going to wait, let's get you all the way into the center of the city. And then like, eh, you know, never mind. Just turn around. Now. <laughs> in fairness, Sander. Oh, no. In fairness, was under the impression that uh, you know it was an even fight, and Danny wasn't just going to firebomb everyone instantly. Right. It's almost like there was a whole episode telling him that. Sorry. Right. True. <laughs> but yeah. although, um, admittedly, it gave us the chance because if that hadn't happened, then we wouldn't have had Arya trying to escape the city, which gave us all those point of view scenes that were so horrible and powerful. So we got to see it all through her eyes, but which is why they did it. But I just love the whole scene there where where he finally actually cares for someone in the world yeah. and and saves her. And he, he does save her because she would have she probably would have died. I mean, we could argue whether she should have anyways, because no, it was kind of ridiculous. I did He's the like only survivor. It. Yeah. But no, yeah, it was. Just I, I did like it. I, I do think it's powerful and it's meaningful for both Sandor and Arya's arc. These two characters yeah. at different points in their life who would just have this rage inside them, who've been through really traumatic things, who think revenge will kind of save them. 
but you know it's like that old cliche like if you go uh-huh. seeking revenge you better build two graves and, and it, it, he even echoes what he says with um looking at his brother's face like that's what you look like on the in on the inside and he tells Ari, right. you know look at me this is what you'll look like if you go down my path so it is trying to right you know seeing seeing himself in her the same pain the same fury yeah and she awesome. and she yeah. recognized that and she thanks him and says yeah you're right you actually did look over me as, as horrible as you are you did care yeah. about me but um it, it's not clear whether that sticks because um it seems like revenge might be back on her mind at the end of the episode right right one of the things she actually calls him sandor for the first time ever yeah when she thinks that was, you know? yeah, that was powerful. I think also this is one of those things where, you know, where a decision they made on the show actually paid off because obviously we got more time with the two of them together in the show than we did in the books. Hmm. And I think that made this even more meaningful. You know, if mm-hmm. something like this is going to happen in the books, it'll still be good and powerful. But I think this made it even more meaningful having that extra time. Yeah. Well, and after Arya's arc in general kind of frustrated me up you know, probably seasons like four through six, where it seemed like the show writers were kind of reveling in this, in the lazy version of fem- of feminism of like, well, she's a good warrior. So, yay, we're feminists. Yep. But um, I thought her art this season, you know, e- even if, you know, I know people don't necessarily like how it's connected to the past, but like these just season eight here has just been wonderful. Like, a little bit of backsliding out of just being an assassin, seeing, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, actually seeing the dead and being scared for the first time in ages and, um, you know, all that, you know, then going back to wanting revenge more than anything else. And just sort of, I don't know, the back and forth has felt very organic, very good. And um, like, it makes a lot of sense. And I love that ultimately it's Sandor that, that gets her out of that pure revenge mode. Cause to me, the end of the episode isn't Arya saying I'm going to get revenge. Like I didn't get the idea that she was, was going to get revenge on Danny for personally wronging her, but she understood now what Danny is and that that has to be stopped. That's interesting. Yeah. The idea of not a personal revenge, but a kind of an attempt to right wrongs or punish evil or yeah, maybe a broader utilitarian idea of, What's right? Yeah, I mean, this well, these are some of the people. yeah, but these Arya's scenes I think are some of the most striking images of the episode. Right, her sort of running through the chaos and seeing the suffering of the small yeah. folk and getting the real cost of this battle and the cost of Danny's decision mm-hmm. was so important to see, and important to see through Arya's eyes. And as someone who's kind of been detached from humanity from a while, for a while actually trying to protect mm-hmm. people and f- feeling fear for the first time, uh, feeling failure for the first time, actually being overwhelmed right. and not being able to completely control a situation or kill her way out of a situation. Um, and yeah, the final shot with her and the horse, I don't really know what it means, but it was, I thought it was absolutely yeah. beautiful. <laughs> I, I also loved all the stuff with that, like mother and daughter, you know, the, who we, who we first saw back way back when uh, Jamie was sneaking in, they were, they were near him, but then we see them, repeatedly through it and she tries to save them and you know I, I have to wonder they were hiding she found them again when they were hiding in that little like I don't know where they were hiding but they were hiding under something so they could stay protected she's like no you'll die here come with me and then they died so I wonder if like if they'd stayed behind would they have actually lived uh, but I'm, I don't know she yeah. can, she, she's probably going to be asking herself that too which is I think the power of it I, I, I thought all of that bit was really good and, and really horrific yeah. Really horrific. Yeah. Well, their plot armor wasn't as thick as hers. 
Right, obviously. I mean, is everyone in the city dead but her and the horse? <laughs> Their plot armor was underpowered, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah right. that's... I mean, that's, I, I think that's a huge critique of both the battle scenes this season is just that, you know, you you keep putting characters in ridiculous situations and they keep miraculously surviving. But uh, I think the plot armor wasn't as bad in this episode. Like, it felt like people were genuinely in danger and they genuinely died and we saw a lot of death and carnage. And it was even, it was much more disturbing than The Long Night, I thought, because the long night it's kind of these mystical monsters but here it's humans right. doing incredibly inhuman things you know you see the cruelty that human beings are capable of even characters that we've loved and followed for so long it's kind of it hits you way harder moving forward with aria it would be very um very much part of her back and forth with being a faceless man or not that if she's the last you know kills the last dragon lord and dragon all right, yeah, the Bravosi legacy, yeah, defeating mm-hmm. the Targaryens or the Valerians. If if that's what happened, <laughs> we, well, that, we that's the question, happens. yeah. So she's had this <laughs> this revelation with um, the Hound about where revenge leads you. But do you think she's going to seek revenge for this event, and and is that where she's heading, or is she heading well, for another? You know, she's trying to escape. Is that the the point of the horse that it's like this kind well, of if, deliverance? If she takes out. Though, if she takes out Danny, is that revenge or is that look at what a danger this woman is and her dragon? How do I protect the rest of our country and our world from it? I mean, mm. I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily revenge in that case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She's not doing it just because she's pissed off. She's doing it because, fuck, if I don't stop her now, she's going to do this to every other city in Westeros. And I, and I think also if we go to those point of view characters, I mean, I think that in terms of point of view in the city, I did like John also. It started, I mean, before we got Arya doing it, we got John doing it. And I liked him. I, I liked him. You know, you said it was it was weird and it was true. Like, wait, wait, don't do this. Oh, wait, let me stab this, this you know, this knight. You know, let me let me stab someone. But I, I thought it was really, it made sense because he's like, wait a minute. Um, oh, wait, they're the bad guy. Oh, wait, wait, where the bad guy? What's going on here? And I thought I liked that whole confusion in his head yeah. at, at one point. They also, they did again like they did in that scene with, with Danny and the in the dinner he the sound goes out and he has to stop and like in his head go what the fuck's going on around me i, I like that effect again in the scene i think it and, didn't... and then he starts seeing someone getting raped and and that's what ultimately turns him when he's like wait a minute okay wait we're we're now raping these people no <laughs> i think it did work just the general chaos of it because it showed you it's almost like things are now in motion that you cannot sort of stop like you've committed to this and it's kind of this dawning realization that you sort of you've backed the wrong horse so you've committed to something that's ultimately destructive and even though he's trying to stop it from happening it's it's, everyone's away the battle's begun um all you have to all you can do is survive and just the whole aesthetic of the battle was incredibly chaotic and suffocating you have a lot of scenes of people just packed together or or being pressed against doors and you have this sort of thick fog or this thick kind of ashen haze that really you know you can imagine that the suffocation of that so it's just the yeah just that it, it all creates this sort of sensory experience of the horror and the confusion yeah. and the disorientation of war the, the ash and all that kind of reminded me of some of the reports of pompeii mm. and what that would have been like you know with the fire which is probably the closest real world 
occurrence we have to this. And some people have uh, mentioned the ash as being ver- very similar to the vision that uh, Danny has in the House of the Undying mm-hmm. in, in this in the show yep. where she's wandering through the ruins of the Red Keep. And it, it seems to be snowing, but it could also be ash, ash that she's created, that she's wandering through the ruins of the city she's destroyed. <laughs> like it's a vision yeah. of her own madness or something. <laughs> Again, though, might be giving the show too much credit. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> Um, but it's but a beautiful image. At this point, is that kind of just feel apathy yeah, towards the whole yeah. thing? Yeah. Given the problems of the writing already up to this point. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think you've explained that very well. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I've sort of, to me, I sort of appreciate individual moments, or I can visualize, appreciate right, right. like technical elements or acting, even if it doesn't work as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. But um, the only other thing I wanted to mention was the, the sort of demise of, of Jamie and Cersei, right. the sort of the end of this kind of infernal romance that kind of consumed the, mm-hmm. the story, in many ways, you know, led to a lot of the horror this story pre- precipitated and is now ended where it began with them in each other's arms. Did you notice, by the way, that their reunion was in that same map room that we've seen a few times where she made all of her, a lot of her plans to do stuff? And that that was also the same room that Arya and Sander said their farewell in? Yeah, this kind of new kingdom that they thought they could rule uh, right. together and it's sort of crumbling around. Literally crumbling around. Again, literally very, very subtle, very subtle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And, right? and I loved her tears at seeing him. I mean, I wouldn't expect that from her. I don't know how much of it is just I'm fucked up now. I'm I'm upset, or if it was genuinely for seeing him, yeah. I'm clear. But I, it's and she it's, seemed she seemed actually concerned that Jamie was hurt, which is probably the first time she's shown concern for him in I know. years. It's um tonally it was weird because it's like yes we hate Cersei, but it felt like there's very little triumph in her uh, in her demise. It felt more tragic than than anything, it's, especially because we're losing Jamie as well, someone we actually care about. Yeah, it was just kind of sad watching them die together. Mm-hmm. Well, this is this made me think an interesting question. When she asked Jamie not to let her die, save our baby, save our baby, was she using that to try to get her to say, him to save her, or was she really genuinely concerned for the baby? Because even in the end, is she manipulating him? I'm not clear. Uh, I don't maybe know. Well, a little of both. I mean, he's there to save her, so I don't, he doesn't. Right. She doesn't need to manipulate. I think. True. I think it's just finally. I mean, the show really loved. I think they even added that scene where Tywin says, "No, I don't mistrust you because you're a woman. I mistrust you because you're not as smart as you think you are." And they've, right? Uh, I mean, that was sort of when they told us what they thought of Cersei for the show, and I think that sort of turns out that's, I guess, is the end of her life. Is she thinks she has a chance against Daenerys, and apparently doesn't at all. And she played a gamble that did not pay off very well. I mean, because if she had not killed Masandai, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Um, I guess the idea was like Cersei was willing to do the things that Danny wasn't, and she was hedging her bets that you know Danny was about love and mercy and protecting the small folk, and that she would never attack the city right. while she filled it with the uh, with civilians. But uh, that gamble that. didn't work out <laughs> to the to the misery of all. Um, but you mentioned Pompeii, uh, David, and I kind of got mm-hmm. inklings of. Um, so when they're together, huddled together, and the city's kind of collapsing around them, mm-hmm. I kind of got inklings right. of that that scene in season five where Jorah's like reciting that poem when he and Tyrion are going through the ruins of Valeria. 
And there's that poem they uh-huh, have about yeah. like the lovers like looking into each other's eyes while Valeria kind of fell. Like kind of, uh-huh. kind of. That's, well, that's I got flickers of that. I don't know if that's what the, the showrunners intended, but I can imagine maybe that that sort right, of right. being echoed in the book if if, if a similar scene occurs uh, in Martin's version. Did you notice also that as everything crumbles and Jamie's as nothing else matters, only us, that then the Reigns of Castamere was playing? Yeah. Which I yeah, thought was yeah. appropriate. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of distorted like, musical themes. So you had Danny's theme also, right. but it was very heavy and sinister and down-tempo. Mm-hmm. And then they played the Reigns of Castamere over the closing credits as well, which I thought was kind of cool. Right, yeah. It, it's obviously the most recognizable song in the entire series other than the theme song itself. So it makes sense, but but you notice it just because this is the time. This, after all, this will be the last time we'll hear it since, well, I guess Tyrion's still around, but <laughs> they're, you know, the Lannisters are pretty done. Well, yeah, I mean, the Red Keep done as well. Like, what's the final lyric? Now the, the rain falls yeah. over your hole with no oh, soul yeah. to heal. Like, the rain is kind of this, right. almost this ashen rain that sort of swoop, swoops down into the empty keep. So, so this makes up an interesting question. So, at least show, show-wise, there is no Valenquar, but if it is, does that make Danny the Valenquar? So there've been a meme out there of a brick is the Valenquar. that wasn't in the that part of the prophecy wasn't in the I know. show yeah I know but I'm wondering you know if that's if they took it out because they've changed it or you know I don't know well I mean you could interpret prophecy any way you want you could interpret it as like sure. as like Jamie leading her to her death by accidentally taking her into a place that couldn't be escaped from or whatever so it's like yeah I mean, well and ja- Jamie's a much different character in the books yeah. than the show. Yeah, I mean, he teeters back and forth a lot more in the show, which, you know, I think we've talked about that being okay as long as they should have developed it a little more. But if he's a Valonqar in the books, then it it might make more sense since he seems to be on more of a straight line away from Cersei. Um, I heard a theory that Bran might have sent the horse to uh, to Arya. Ah. That he's leading her away. He might be controlling the horse. Or he's in the horse. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. Um, it, it makes sense. It's the, like all the animals, blood raven controls are all white uh, <laughs> or whatever. You was know? It, was so. it the same horse that Harry Strickland was on in The Golden Company? Because I noticed he was on a very like white I horse. Oh, no, no, it was that, um, it was Shadow Fox, Gandalf's horse. Oh, Shadow Fox, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's wandered <laughs> offset, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Reused. Wouldn't it be funny if it actually was the same horn? You never know. It's probably a bit old by now. It's put out the stuff. On a different note, um, did you know? I, I thought it was interesting. Towards the end, John says for all the troops to fall back, fall back, as he's trying to get them to leave out. Here's an interesting question: If he hadn't, I mean, Danny's destroying the city with her troops in there. Would she have let her own troops die and and effectively killed them? Yeah, I don't know. Um... She I mean, pretty much destroying in, uh, the whole city. Yep. She seemed pretty much in rage mode. She might have uh, right? just taken out <laughs> anyone in a way. I don't know. All right, to jump back for a second, horses can live 25 to 30 years. So it could yeah. actually be the same horse. Same one. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that horse is also Okay, okay sorry. Um, yeah, I kind of, I got vibes. I just kept thinking that little, or that Varus quote about Littlefinger, um, that he would burn the kingdom down to be king of the ashes. So I thought that was cool that in the episode Varys died, they have you know someone burn the burn King's Landing down so she can be Queen of the Ashes. Oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good callback. Any more closing thoughts on the episode? 
I have one interesting one I want to bring up that actually didn't come from me completely. Um, Sarah, who's Dr. Blood in the forums, um, had an interesting theory that she brought up, which is is a general one. I don't think we'll probably see on the show, but maybe in the books even. What if the dragons, it's not the Targaryens' anger and craziness that rules the dragons, but what if the dragons are actually using their link to actually turn the Targs or other Valerians angry and destructive? Like, what if it is... If it really isn't, you know, just that, if it isn't just that, like, Danny says, hey, Drogon, do this, but there's some, like, mutual thing. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a bit where, um, there's a bit she she mentions where when Ghost first returns in the books, John's hungry before he sees him. Mm -hmm. So he gets kind of that animalistic urge and instinct. And if, what if, in, in her point of view, what if, like, that Drogon's anger at seeing his two brothers or sisters or whatever they are, we don't really have a gender, killed um, is is part of what drives her rage. And what if that's all gone through, all through history? You know, maybe the Mad King or some of the others. That's kind of a neat idea. But, you know, and, and from my, my the way I twisted it was, you know, what if Danny's not riding Drogon, but Drogon is riding Danny in the warg sense, like controlling him with his own anger and all that? Well, just, th- a, just a thought. No, no, I think that's a really cool theory, and I think you see that in the wargs and and the Starks' relationship right. with the direwolves, and the fact that it is this almost symbiotic relationship, especially yeah. for Bran, where the long he, he's told by the Reeds, the longer he spends in uh, Summer's skin, the more he'll become like right. a wolf, and the harder it'll be to to exit him. And that idea of drawing upon the dragon's power, and and the dragon itself having emotions and grief and rage mm-hmm. at its siblings' deaths. But again, I don't think the show has done any of the groundwork to establish nope, walking not. and skin changing and the relationship between animals and their familiars. So yeah, we can only we can continually theorize to make the show better than it is. Right. And and yeah. also just how will that affect the books later, maybe I think, if that is something. Yeah, I think for the books that's that's a really interesting uh, theory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we may talk about that on Fire and Blood Part 2. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'd say it seems like there's some – in the history, it seems like there's some dragons that bend more to their rider. I mean like I, I think she mentioned in that chat Caraxes who when she was with um, – or when Caraxes was with um, Alyssa um, Targaryen was just one that – or no, that never mind. She had Maylis. Um, she was with – Caraxes was with Prince Aemon. Um and didn't seem like a particularly violent dragon, you know, you know, uh, and then when with Prince Damon was just the meanest dragon that there was took down Vagar. So it seems like when they have different riders, the dragons change a little bit sometimes, but then you get Balerion who definitely w- was a lot more strong willed. So maybe it's a little bit, a little bit of both. It's a bond. Right. So sometimes right. the human wins, sometimes the dragon wins. Just a neat idea I wanted to bring up because I don't think Sarah's going to be in any of this week's podcasts. So yeah. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it's it may be a truth, but not the truth. You know. <laughs> um, any speculation for the final episode of the series? Oh, I have no idea what's going to happen, other than maybe Arya kills Danny and there's some confrontation between her and John. And but yeah, I, I don't know. Not sure. But- I, I do think it's kind of funny that we were all a few weeks ago after the um, after the Battle of Winterfell, we were all saying, gee, it's kind of ridiculous that Cersei is going to be the big end boss. And mm. it turns out, well, she's not. It's Danny. Yeah. Because, I mean, clearly, clearly that's where we're heading. I mean, there's going to whether it be a fight or a confrontation or whatever. I mean, John and or Arya are certainly going to have something Danny. Right. I mean, but it's like it's gotta, 
got to be heading there, right? But it's like, who's going to be king of the seven kingdoms of all ten people that are left in the seven kingdoms? Like, <laughs> John? I don't, John Snow? I'm not convinced there's, ter- there's going to be a seven kingdoms. John is such a terrible ruler. He'll get, he got betrayed are, in his first post. And well, the, death. Will we even have a seven kingdoms as one country after this? I'm not so sure. I mean, if you think about it, at this point, most of those kingdoms don't even have a ruler at the moment. <laughs> I mean, they've done I mean, so little to establish what the other kingdoms are even up to. We get a few mentions, yeah. like we get the Yaras retaking the Iron Islands, there's a new Prince of Dawn, Bronn is apparently <laughs> the ruler of Rage. Uh, Sweet Robin, I have no idea where he is. I'm sure he's been thrown yeah. down a well. Um, Supposedly, the Riverlands? Sweet what about the Tullys? Suppo- what are the Tullys up right. to? Where are they? Shouldn't they on, be helping On out? that subject, I was just about to say the Sweet Robin and the actors who played Sweet Robin and Edmure Tully supposedly were, were coming back this season. Um, I don't. I don't remember that. That was something they we'd heard online. So I'm. I'm maybe next week. I mean, it's our last chance, I guess, if they're gonna. But if they were, that might make sense when we get a kind of here's the end. Now what's happening? Kind of thing. Yeah, it did, it did seem like there's a little bit of groundwork for like a great council mm. when they mentioned right. the other houses and Gendry. Right. I guess now it's over the Stormlands. So. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's not like everyone just shows up and they all have a side already. I mean, that would kind of be yeah. a lot for an episode. But I think we well, keep maybe, talking about time, 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 time. But we have so few characters at this point that we right. probably could do a lot in this last episode. Right. And that could Sorry, also be but, epilogue, too, after whatever happens with Danny and John and all that. That could all be epilogue. Like maybe we decide what's going to be the future of the Seven Kingdoms and if they're going to remain the Seven Kingdoms. That I'm, I'm not convinced they are. Yeah, I'm down like, for an animal, uh, animal house style epilogue over the credits where each character ends right. up. There you go. I mean, we had we we've been saying the big question we've all been wondering for for years in both the books and the show is who's going to be on the throne and a and a lot of people have theorized there won't be one. I mean, clearly the throne's been de- I, I would hope it's been destroyed or something, but even you know metaphorically speaking, there may not be a seven kingdoms or at least one leader. Maybe we'll get democracy after this. Like, like no, John definitely had, like not John had, democracy. Like John had. Well, I mean, if John's behind it, maybe he will, because that is, in fact, how the uh, how the um, Night's Watch chose their leaders. So the, yeah, uh, we okay. talked about that in the chat, and that's just. I mean, off the top of my head, maybe Japan doing it in like a hundred years went from a feudalistic style government to democracy somewhat but i mean that's yeah, just quite how japan happened either yeah i know that that's that's i'm trying to shoehorn any example i can find you know there's not really a good example of going straight from this level of autocracy and feudalism. Still is a monarchy today well yeah so is england but it doesn't mean that it's not also a democracy <laughs> but i'm just saying i don't think i don't think you can go from peasants that have no concept of political rights or any of those sorts of things right. to all right full-on democracy that just doesn't really happen well that's why i said i don't think there's gonna be a seven kingdoms maybe i'm wrong yeah. we'll find out i think the north's in a pretty good position like that's they seem to have some stability there i mean i guess they're kind of in reconstruction phase at this point following the long night but they've sort of got a central power the houses are kind of loyal to him sans is doing well they've got the veil they may have the Riverlands. I'm not sure if they're in on the on the alliance, but they've sort of got a, a relatively ordered kingdom. The the northern border is safe now. They've got the uh, wildlings on their side, so the north seems all right. Like mm-hmm. I can imagine them have a, having a pretty happy yep. ending. But um, the southern kingdoms either they're in complete chaos, or we just haven't heard from them in like two seasons. <laughs> it's sure. not going to end well. <laughs> it's not going to end well. Really? Uh, 
Ye like little happily. face. I don't. I don't mean well. I mean happily. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, we just lost half the cast tonight, so. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll lose the other half next week. Exactly. <laughs> It'll just be hot pie. With there no, you go. No one to buy his, his pies. Oh. <laughs> All right. Oh well, yeah. has to survive. <laughs> yeah. Well, that concludes Krakencast for this week. So there's only one episode left in the entire series. And if you'd like to join us for it, we typically record on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. You can also catch the American episode reviews with the Dragoncast and the European episode reviews with the Wolfcast. So thank you for joining me, Bing, David, Abby, and Kevin, and also Dana, who joined us briefly. This has been the Vassals of Kingsgrave. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. What is high?